Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Aliza Kelly, and today I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with the Snapchat editor from Cosmopolitan Magazine, my editor, my friend, my Scorpio queen, Mia Lardier. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This I'm is so, so excited. excited. Yay. Yay. Oh my God, we spoke in tandem. <laughs> I think that's really auspicious. I, I think, think that so. means that the, we're either going to say everything at the same time for this whole podcast, yes. which is going to be really an enjoyable listening experience I think for everyone. So. Ultimately, it's, it's just going to be fabulous because, I mean, I have so many wonderful things to say about working with you oh. and your writing and your brain. We had the privilege of um, bantering together mm-hmm. a few a few months ago at the book launch in New York for Starring You, which was yes. super fun. So much fun. Um, and that just, you know, was it's the tip of the iceberg. It's only the beginning for what the world will see. Exactly. We have this podcast and then we have a whole series on HBO coming out, I believe. They, of course. They don't know about it yet, but we're coming. We're coming. <laughs> we're coming so in strong. It. So I always start by asking a little bit about you, what you do, who you are, how you got there. Um, so if you wouldn't mind kicking us off, Mia. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. This is such a joy and a treat. I've always wanted to be on a podcast. Um, I've been told I have a face for radio, so here I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> who am I? Um, let's see. Well, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I was a, just a normal kid growing up. Um, I went to high school and then I went to college for uh, screenwriting and film, which I did not end up in either of those categories. Um, but while I was at school, I was at Sarah Lawrence, um, where is, it's a place where you can basically study whatever you want and just call it a major that sounds good to them. Um, so <laughs> I did that. Um, so in addition to studying screenwriting and film, I also studied Italian and psychology, which again, two fields I did not end up in, but I know a lot about. Um, and this is like the liberal arts dream. It is. It really is. It's what everybody wants, but doesn't know they want. Um, so <laughs> I graduated, did not have a job for like six to eight months, was just like waiting tables. Um, Did you know that you wanted to work in media at this point or were you just like, I have the transition between sort of going from the intellectual academic world into the professional world didn't have its own did it have an entry point for you at that time? At that point, no. I think I had been rejected too many times where I just was like, well, I'm not going to end up in screenwriting in New York. I'm not going to end up on Saturday Night Live in my first job. What the heck? Um, and I'm definitely not going out to L.A. So I just kind of was at like square one, box zero, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and I think that in the meantime, while I was still trying to figure it out, I was writing for sites like Man Repeller, um, places that would take my work, which I'm so grateful for um, because those were my first editors and people who I've connected with through the rest of my career. Um, But then just out of nowhere, one of my good friends from college who also is now studying to be a lawyer, she was working at a media company, um, a celebrity news site, and she was like, hey, we have like a freelance job open. Do you want to come just write for us for an hourly rage? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Let me do that because I need a byline and I need it now. Um, so I started working for them, writing about the Kardashians, the Jenners, the Car Jenners, all of them. What are the Car Jenners? The Kardashians oh, and the Jenners okay, okay, together. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the blend. Yes, the blend. 
recommend this movie, um, <laughs> the Acai Bowl. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, I just like, I went from there from freelance to full time with them. Um, again, still doing more writing about like celebrity stuff, but then I started doing interviews. Um, I started a podcast that nobody should look for on the internet, but I started one with them um, and just grew my career into a full time there. Um, and I ended up at Cosmo through a friend I knew and I worked with at the first job that I had. Um, and I just landed there at Cosmo as assistant editor and climbed my way up over the past two years. And now I'm the editor, the mommy of all the Snapchat channels. Um, and I also work on astrology section in the magazine, which has been such a treat. And that's how I got to know you. Um, and in addition to doing that, I do a bunch of other things throughout the day. Um, it can be a number of things. My day is literally always different, but my home base is Snapchat right now, which means I get to work with Gen Z, the emerging audience of everything the consumer of everything um who will one day rule the world do you are so are you a gen z or are you a millennial i'm a millennial um but we do have people in our office who are on the cusp of being gen z and millennial but i would say you're you're not on the cusp i'm not no when I, does gen z actually start gen z i believe it starts i was born in 1991 i believe it starts like in 1995 or 96. so it's so it's really interesting because it literally is just the exact same as within astrology the mm, pluto generations mm, mm, probably yes that's yeah, wild that is wild. i wonder if these sociologists know that they're applying astrological techniques to defining generations if they don't know now they know yeah now they know. thanks for listening yes. all you sociologists out there <laughs> all, all two of you um but yeah it's just i mean they're just such a fascinating generation to look at and i think that everybody should be watching what they're doing um just based on you know their attention spans and what they're consuming and how they're consuming it is going to be so important for the next 10 years so how would you say that the, the Gen Zs differ from the millennials? Hmm. The millennials definitely have a bigger attention span, um, whereas the Gen Zs, they are, well, where millennials are selective, Gen Z is super selective. They're even more selective? Even more selective, which is crazy. Um, they like what they like. Um, they're not afraid to tell you what they like. They're part of the call-out generation who will call you out on Twitter. So are millennials, but Gen Z has a specific way of going about you know, calling people out. They're, they're super innovative. Whereas millennials are the Vine generation. Uh, Gen Z is the TikTok generation. I'm okay, not, what is TikTok? Nobody really knows what TikTok is at this point. It was, so before it became TikTok, it was Musical.ly, um, which was basically an offshoot of what Vine used to be, but never achieved the greatness of. W were they contemporaries? Was um, Musical.ly out the same time that Vine was? I, I'm not sure. They may have overlapped at the end, but I know that Vine was definitely before um, before Musical.ly. But, you know, Musical.ly and TikTok haven't, well, maybe more on this later, but they, they never hit the potato flew around my room kind of fame that Vine <laughs> really hit. Um, I think TikTok is still trying to figure itself out. It, there's been a whole thing over the past few months of them being the number one thing at VidCon, which is like a YouTuber channel. And they're talking about how TikToks are, TikTokers are the new YouTubers um, and how they are more engaged with their audiences and how they are, in a way, just more of like an in-real-life version of YouTubers, whereas YouTubers are like... You can't, Inaccessible. Be, you can't touch them. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, that makes sense to me because YouTube is there's so much production that goes into yeah. it. And, you know, I was just trying to get like, oh, you know, a little influencer light for myself to take some nice 
pictures. And when I searched that into Amazon, like these kits that were like $500 were coming up of like everything you need to start your YouTube channel. And if the entry point is like 500, 600 bucks, that's not something that most people can just like dip into that's you a know, commitment absolutely and I, they had to build a brand a lot of them built it up from vine vines vine stars went to youtube they created these big names for themselves youtubers date youtubers they have they make their relationship public on youtube they break up on youtube i saw a couple get divorced on youtube what does that mean get divorced on they YouTube? like announced that they they were divorcing and like of course their fans just like go crazy over it and it's just how much of your life is going to be public like I, I don't know, like, are you going to go through human life crisis on YouTube, too? But, it's, yeah, it's just an insane, you know, community. I mean, they're not insane. They ha- they know exactly what they're doing, and they're making so much money off of it. But it's just wild to look at people who are making those choices and make that their career. It's like the new reality show. So at Cosmo, would you, are you going to sort of treat these TikTokers, YouTubers with the same headline space that you would the car jenners or how do you determine like what is who is like the celebrity to care about totally well that's where where my platform on snapchat is so different than the site because you know they will get stories in on a certain celebrity and it won't do well for us whereas we'll take a look at the younger audience like the the tana and jake um jake what's his face um they're big YouTubers, slipping my mind, but they just got engaged and it, they've only been dating for two months. But their content performs so much better than um, on Snapchat than it did on the site. Um, the same for goes for James Charles. So we'll have a completely different audience for these kinds of names and celebrities than the site or the magazine ever will. Interesting. Yeah. So it's interesting in how we're you know splitting those things up and now like. On Snapchat, I'm so much more aware of the YouTuber audience and these, you know, people who are not celebrities to the, to, you know, to the older generations, but they make take up so much headspace in Gen Z. Yeah, it's it really blows my mind. Like I, I can't even, you know, I feel like I'm still present enough to be able to have some idea as to who the celebrities are. But at any given point, that can all change. You know, as soon as these YouTube TikTok people, Mm -hmm. TikTokers, TikTokers, time lords, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as they come up, I'm not going to have any idea who they are. Well, then there's also like cancel culture now where people are getting canceled because they do. You know, like James Charles had his canceled moment where he was canceled for about five minutes when he um, got into a feud with. Um, that other YouTuber who called him out for, you know, this whole Coachella drama. And that last... Yeah, with the gummies, right? The gummies, the sugar bear hair. And it's just like that <laughs> Which last- is like, I, I it really can't believe it. No, I know. <laughs> That's like the world we're living in. They're feuding over that. And uh, honestly, the woman was like 40 years old. So you're having a 40-year-old YouTuber fight with, you know, like a I don't even know how old James Charles is, like 1920. Um, and he, you know, that's the kind of world we're living in where that drama happened for literally just a week and a half, caused so much stir, maybe generated 40 headlines, and then it was over. He went into, you know, respite for a bit, went into the corner, collected himself, and now he's back. 
is that what cancel culture ultimately is? I mean, it's when a, we cancel, yeah. are we really canceling or are we just like putting people in timeout? I think we're just putting people in timeout. That's why cancel culture just needs to stop. It's just like we, you know, we shame people for making mistakes a lot of the time. I mean, it's not always the case, but a lot of the time it's these young people who are like 19 and 20 making mistakes that they, you know, uh, people have made in their lives but they just were never publicized right so i mean yes we should scold them we shouldn't we should have a little bit of empathy and know that they're human beings who are making genuine mistakes that you and i probably made that just we we didn't put it on myspace or zanga at that point yeah oversight Oversight. we we could have we could have had a huge youtube we could have been canceled so many we could have been canceled by now (laughs) yeah i i mean i it's something that i definitely am very afraid of Mm -hmm. i'm 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 very um aware of the fact that at any point someone can say something that is taken out of context and then it has a backlash to it absolutely and even though i don't think that i say particularly controversial things i don't think i think in really controversial ways even right right you never know when you know something that is something you do or say is just like in a in a moment's time can be totally bastardized and flipped on its head and then you have this scary pushback yeah you know i also think like scam culture right Mm -hmm. people could easily think that astrology is a scam at some point absolutely absolutely and you wonder when you know when big businesses and big corporations start buying into astrology which they have been over the past you know year maybe year and a half um that's when i think the people who are super into astrology are like well great now they're 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 invaded in our space they're taking over our space and they're monopolizing on it they're making money and it's like then you have to wonder when scam culture becomes a thing when you you know you have people who are making astrology meme accounts and they have no idea what astrology is they've never studied astrology they're just kind of like making general assumptions um i mean for you i wonder like it's is it a thing of like now astrology has an awareness that it didn't before where you're able to have a bigger platform or is it just like you're like no this is awful i don't want it i think right now i think that it's ultimately you know i'm this is a moment in time that i definitely want to um be part of Mm. i think it would be a you know, it would be very like sour grapes to not participate right. when there are opportunities to participate right now. But I think that as long as, you know, I and I, my peers maintain their integrity, maintain their ethics, making sure that they are not being exploitative and right. taking advantage of this moment um, right. by creating like, you know, predatory ways of engaging with people totally um you know like fear tactics for instance Mm -hmm. that can be that's something that i see every now and then um and it really does make me nervous because people are rely on astrology you know it's a really it's a tool for people right so yes i think that it's it's a wonderful moment as long as we astrologers are being ethical and then also are making sure that we have a voice because the real danger for astrologers and for anyone in this space is that the big companies are going to wedge us out. Right. Right. Which I think also is could definitely happen because, you know, I remember years ago before astrology was having the moment that it is now, um, these like, let's be honest, these like very old baby boomer white men Mm -hmm, who are mm -hmm. at the heads of the companies when you follow the chain up to the top don't see a difference between astrology and a psychic and um, Miss Cleo. Exactly. And it's all sort of the same like 
this isn't real. So exactly. we don't have to. Why should we have to pay an expert? We, right. Can't we just have an intern do this for free? Right. Intern culture right. is the worst. Intern culture is the worst. <laughs> but I think you're also hitting a good point because I think that at the same time where astrologers are trying to maintain their integrity, I think now too, um, editorial platforms, whether it's a site or a magazine, are feeling more of a pressure to have that same integrity because, again, going back to call-out culture, there have been sites that would just straight-up copy like Susan Miller's uh, horoscopes each week or each month. Um, and finally, people started to realize, they're like, hey, you're just kind of stealing this stuff where this person has actually studied astrology for X number of years and you're not giving them any credit where it's due. Right. And we've, I mean, I've, I've known people who would work for sites and they just, say, as an intern or like, a staff editor or whatever and they were asked to do horoscopes and they were just they said yeah I just make stuff up and I think now I think that it's great to have that kind of pressure and say no wait there's a, there's a rhyme and a reason to everything we do here and it goes way back um I need to respect that but at the same time I do feel like it's a really fun time to be in astrology I think that you guys from my my perspective are given such a fun opportunity to do take have your unique takes on things which we are so appreciative of because you know we can't like we can't do that we can't say like um I mean Cosmo for example built an entire section of the magazine dedicated to astrology now under Jess Pels. Um, Jess was just inspired by, you know, how well horoscopes and astrology content was doing on Snapchat with, again, with Gen Z, that she was like, you know what, this is going to be a great opportunity. We should just build this whole thing out and make it, you know, a destination part of the magazine. Um, And it really has. Like, advertisers love it. Our readers love it. Um, And it's something that we genuinely enjoy producing with you guys because it's just such a delight to learn more about this world and this study and practice. Well, it's a delight to work with you guys. A delight. A delight. But how did this, how did it really all come to be in the first place? And I guess you know, when Jess came on, who's so brilliant, brilliant, so dynamic, if you're listening, Jess, we love you. Love you, Jess. Um, was it sort of just like her, you know, she had this vision of, uh, of incorporating, I mean, the names already lend themselves yeah. to each other so much, Cosmo, Cosmo Astrology. Right. I remember early... Um, horoscope reading was done in Barnes and Noble when I was mm. a little girl, like looking through Cosmo specifically. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Cosmo has at different points throughout its long life yeah. has had more astrology than other points. Yeah, definitely. But definitely not to this extent ever, right? Yeah. Well, when Jess came in and this is her credo every day is that she wants to make content that works. She has, she never wants to write anything that's baggage that someone doesn't actually want to read. Um, I think that a lot of magazines cater to, and, and just editorial properties in general cater to the idea of what they, they think their readers want. But Jess is so tapped into our audience and she, you know, she loves data. She loves reading the actual comments. She loves talking to her readers. She loves talking to all of us editors who, you know, you know, encounter this data and, you know, energy every single day. Um, And she really wants to know what's working and what isn't. And if it's not going to work, then why would we do it? So when she first came in and overhauled Cosmo Digital and then became print editor, she just, yeah, she talked to us and she was like, she realized how much, especially through Snapchat, how horoscopes and astrology resonated with our audience and especially in a time when we're in such political turmoil where the world is such a scary place where millennials and gen z are gen z years i guess are growing up and they're feeling a lot of um uncertainty about where their lives are going astrology gives them a good you know 
a solid place for them to understand themselves, first of all, um, to understand their current standing in the world and to understand where they're going. Um, not to say, again, that we're trying to blow astrology out as a psychic property because that's something completely different, but I think it helps them understand who they are and the choices that they make. Um, like we were talking, now that it's become such like a staple part of our our brand, um, we were talking about how to cover the next year because we have the election coming up. Um, and we've spoken to you, we've spoken to Jake's Astrology, Jake Register, who is, you guys We love are, you, Jake. We love you, Jake. And it's just so interesting and fascinating to hear both of your takes on how the next year is going to play out, not just, you know, not specifically to politics, but how just the energy of the world is shifting, how it's going to affect um, millennials and Gen Zers in particular. Um, and it, it'll be fascinating to just watch it play out. But that's Does how- he feel similarly to how I do? I, I think, think all so. of us do. I think so. Jake is so smart that he, I went out to coffee with him with one of our other astrology editors, Julia, um, and we he just started talking talking about the election and I kind of like went into dissociative state for a minute because I was like you're so smart I have no idea exactly what you're saying but it sounds very legit um but he yeah you guys are on the same page just we have a we have a tough year ahead of us and I yeah I I, it's funny because I actually was just in Colorado and I met um Chris Brennan for the first time Mm who is an amazing astrologer who works in Hellenistic astrology, which Mm. is ancient astrology. And his whole practice is really, you know, he's so brilliant. He like has translated all of these ancient Greek texts um, and practiced the techniques to figure out how people were really using astrology in the Roman era, which Mm. is just wild. It's so brilliant. But we sat down and we like one of the first things that we said was like, so 2020. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like that's just there's no that's like the it's like the weather report of what's coming, you know, and obviously 2020, even if you're not in the astrology space, means the election. Right. It's also a number that sounds cool. So Totally, totally. (laughs) It's a very round number. But for you as an astrologer, for people who don't know, who are listening, what do you think is going to happen in the next, you know, 12 months? Well, you know, I think that something that I I realized as I was actually putting together some dates that I'm going to be sending you, I owe you that. (laughs) That's why I came here. (laughs) I'm here to collect. (laughs) Um, But I was looking at, to remember that we're actually being bookended Mm. by two very, very important astrological happenings. So we have one that's going to be taking place in January, which is the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. And then in December, we have the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction. Mm. So both of these are extraordinarily rare, extraordinarily special. Um, The Saturn-Pluto conjunction is is extremely rare. Mm. It happens very infrequently. The Saturn-Jupiter conjunction happens every 20 years Hmm. so both of these to be occurring on the same year i think i looked it up and it hasn't happened for like 500 600 years that's a time yeah Yeah. so a lot of my contemporaries and my secret astrology groups are starting to like ask people have you guys done any research on the last time that these um these conjunctions that these aspects were created at the same year does anyone have any data on like the year 13 38 or whatever it was to see, you know, how can we use the past to make sense of what's happening now, which is really all astrology is. Right. Um, I I think it's a lot TBD because Mm. it really is going to depend who is representing the Democratic Party. I think I remember, too, and this is going a little bit off topic, but still in the same vein that there we did. There was someone tweeted that 
there was a certain number of presidents, the majority of presidents were a certain sign in the past, and I can't remember which sign it was, but... Oh my God, I can't, I need to know right now. So I... I think there's a lot of Aquarius presidents. Okay, but I can't, take I'm, a look. Yeah. I'm gonna look right now because I think it was. It was the very, people need to know because there was a very clear majority. Um, it wasn't Gemini, which Trump is a Gemini. He definitely is, um, and it's not going to be Kanye West because he's also a Gemini. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just fascinating. I mean, it's, it, it's fascinating for that reason also to see certain patterns in history, and like you said, history is just a thing repeating itself. So you know, we see these same patterns. Um, over and over again. Okay, so Aquarius is the most Aquarius popular. Aquarius is the most yes, popular. I, okay. I, I have my memory straight of yes. this. So yes. William Henry Harrison. Yes. Abraham Lincoln, William McKinley, mm-hmm. FDR, mm. and Ronald Reagan, who loved astrology. Wow. Legit loved astrology. Um, there you go. In fact, it was really during his presidency that astrology went from like 15 years of being so pervasive in like the zeitgeist to no longer to everyone starting to become skeptical of it wow. because Nancy had a, a an astrologer in the White House. She oh had an goodness. astrologer on payroll. How do you get in the White House? I don't know. Her name's Joan Quigley and <laughs> I she's a badass. That's amazing. Her she has a wonderful book called How I Ran the White House. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay, so we That's have amazing. Aquarius is actually tied with Scorpio. Perfect. So you have a shot. I do have a shot. Um, John Adams, yeah. Hulk, Garfield, Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. He's a good one. He's a good one. The Rough Riders. That was a good moment. Was, yeah. <laughs> and then Harding. Huh. He didn't. He was okay. Yeah. I think. Now a, I'm really testing my presidential history you. here. Um, it doesn't look like we've ever. Have there Has there been a sign that we haven't had? So oh. Aries, Taurus is there, obviously. Right. Ulysses S. Graham was a Taurus. Okay, so I think we have actually everybody represented here. Huh. Fascinating. Well, we will So we'll who's see. an Aquarius who's running? That's a good question. They are going to have an advantage. They're going to have an advantage, and they should know that. Yes. Put that on the ballot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this could be interesting stuff that we could do Absolutely. for next year. Absolutely. I'm going to put a thumb in the thumbtack in this, and we will return to it. So how do you guys gauge whether, like how things are performing mm. is it just the is it just the data is that really what is being assessed is it it's uh, all yeah engagement it depends on the property i mean magazines you don't have a computer sitting behind it so you can't really tell exactly yeah. you know like whereas on snapchat and the website you're able to see how long somebody's staying in an article how many people actually click into an article you know we could post 100 articles a day but they're not all not going to perform it's the same thing in the magazine you put it into a book um, and, you know, you can you figure out, you know, there are some people who I've learned through, you know, I, I never touched a magazine or worked in a magazine before this job. But I learned that people apparently like to read magazines backwards. Do you are you a backwards macro, magazine reader? I've never heard of that. There are some people and they are on our staff. They will rename remain nameless, but they will go to like a nail salon. They'll pick up a magazine and they'll read it from the back to the front. Just because I don't I don't know why, but it's just there's there is a certain population out there that does this. Whoa! So it's like you know that's kind of a mind fuck. mm -hmm. And it's like you know we spend. Is that why there are all of those backwards and forwards magazines? Oh, I don't know. Do you know what I mean when they have those like it was like one cover on the front, one cover on the back? Yeah, this is definitely aging myself with some nineties shit. This was like Lucky Magazine. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) perhaps that could be a really smart advertiser being like, yeah, let's put this on the back. Who knows, though? But I know. Yeah. So it's just really interesting because you can't 
gauge what's doing well in a magazine unless you actually talk to people or you see on Twitter that they like a certain thing. Um, but, you know, like we, you know, we had our cover lines meeting today, which is basically when we all get into a room together and we, um, we, we talk out what's going, what are the lines going to be on the front cover of the magazine. Um, I was at a talk with Gail King, who is Oprah's bestie. Yeah. And is, she's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. She's the editor at large of O Magazine. And she was talking about her and Oprah starting a magazine, their magazine together, which she didn't even really want to be a part of at first, but then got involved in it and so at first Oprah didn't want any cover lines and people were like the, the you know the people who were actually worked on the also magazine also in Aquarius yes and she, they were like Oprah they're like we love you so much and we respect your opinion so much but you do need cover lines on the magazine because that's what sells magazines right so, and how, that's how people know what's going to be inside exactly exactly so I mean but again like so we're sitting in this you know hour long meeting um trying to you know pick up the best stories in the ma- magazine to put them on the front and you know give them the best face with just like you know a 10 or less word line and it's like well how much do these actually matter and we, we don't know which one is most effective we try and pick which one and, you know our creative director Andy and his designers design the cover in such a beautiful way that it's meant to be eye-catching everything they do is intentional um I don't know how it works but there is an intention behind it and there's you know artistic properties that fuel it but it's just so fascinating um magazine is in that way and I think you know we're entering in such an interesting and weird world where magazines are shuttering they're going down to you know four publications a year Whereas we're trying to build this brand now, not just, you know, from the bottom up, um, not just in the magazine, but from the, you know, the website as well. Um, And we're trying to keep it relevant. And it's just, you know, us against the industry, so to say. But we're doing a very good job um, and we're getting, you know, great reader feedback. Um, We can't be happier about where we're going. Yay. Well, I mean, I I just bought Cosmo at the airport. um, Amazing. And I felt really cool when buying it. And I wanted to, like you know, track that experience because there, I definitely have also bought like the trashiest magazines at the airport. And it was like buying a pack of cigarettes when you're 14. You're like, just go, 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 go. Exactly. Don't look at my ID. Yeah. But in this case, I was like walking around Hudson News with it. I was like, yeah, I'm that bitch. Like I'm reading Cosmo. Fabulous. And I felt, I mean, maybe it was also because I was like, I'm going to have a byline in here. Like (laughs) y'all don't know. No, but I mean, it's definitely like, you know, as we're entering the election and everything, you know, we are definitely, we're not trying to, I mean, just based on the writers I work with who have a much bigger hand in the magazine, they're the smartest, coolest people I've ever met. And, you know, they they know so much and their reporting is so good that um, the magazine just reflects their brains. And I think it reflects the brains of Jess and everybody who has a hand in the magazine, and especially the people that, you know, our, our magazine caters to. Like, we want to be known as the cool girl at the party who also is having a really, really good fucking conversation and is leading that conversation. Right. Um, so that's what Cosmo is. I would say that's definitely true. I had that experience at the Denver airport. And we also love chicken nuggets. So, <laughs> oh, wow. It's, it's, it's all about balance, the Cosmo Reader, I think. Yeah, that's that's relatable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what have you sort of learned and what has your experience been with astrology since you are now interacting with it so 
much. Like every day you're interacting with astrology content. Yeah, it's been crazy. You know, I grew up, you know, reading my daily, you know, monthly horoscopes and J14 or wherever I found them. Um, I knew I was Ooh, J14. J14. Love that magazine. Um, I, you know, I grew up knowing that I was a Scorpio. That was it. My mom would tell me, oh, you're such a Scorpio. I never really knew what that means. I don't think she knew either. But maybe she saw like a collection of words somewhere. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like my daughter. Um, but <laughs> That's very cancer mom. Very cancer mom. <laughs> Love you, mom. Um, she, yeah. So, you know, my first you know, outside of, in my brain, interaction with astrology, I remember this so vividly, was in, um, I was in AP astro- uh, psychology, um, and I, our psychology teacher handed out a list of words that were associated with a sign, and she's like, okay, look at your sign and circle how many words are associated with your sign. I was like, we were, so we all, you know, sat there and we're like, oh my God, this is so me, so me, so me, like very high school. And then she's like, okay, she's like, um, now tell me how many of you feel super associated with your sign right now. And we all raised our hands most, for the most part. And she's like, well, I just took all those words and jumbled them up. So that's that. I know. And I think about that at least like once a month, maybe twice a month, um, because I was like that. I don't. I honestly don't remember what the lesson was about that day, but I do remember that she Whoa. did that. But then, so now I don't know if it was. It was an audible jaw drop that I had, but there was a jaw drop. I heard it. I heard it. Um, and I <laughs> yes. So I you know. But the thing is, like now that we were you know placed into these sections in the magazine where you know we were able to help develop a section, um, and astrology was mine. I was like, crap. I don't really know much about this, but I'm gonna go try it anyway. Um, but, you know, through interacting with astrology and astrologers like you and Jake and all of our brilliant astrologers, I've learned so much about this practice and um, all of its, uh, you know, fundamental values and, and things like that. And I that I come back to that lesson every so often because I think that a lot of our readers, especially like my Snapchat generation, they know their sun sign. Um, and but I also know that they also in, in her Instagram bios have their sun, moon rising. Um, they're maybe a little bit more acute and aware of what astrology is. Um, and I think it's due to the exposure in media. But taking that into account, like I only knew growing up what my sun sign is. So I was like, okay, I kind of associate with this one sign. But then you look at, you finally find out you're, you're rising in your moon and you realize that, like you say, like your chart is a collection of all of the signs. So in a way, our AP astrology, our psychology teacher wasn't wrong because we probably could, you know, associate with a lot of different traits. I mean, like when I found out that, you know, my moon, I don't know my rising because I'm adopted. I don't have my birth time. Um, but I, you know, I now associate a lot with Aries moon. Um, and I think that it is kind of fair of her. It wasn't the intention that she had, but for us to associate with all different parts. Um, you know, and we do a lot in the magazine about relationships and astrology because that's our bread and butter is relationships. Um, and, you know, we did that. Um, the, you know, you always want to find out, like, who your most compatible your uh, sign is for you. And if you don't see the one that you hope to see next year in your sign, then you're like, oh, well, great. We have to break up now. But it's not that way because, you know, just like dating is, um, you know, finding out as much of a person who they are on the inside, all of their parts. Um, astrology is the same way that you're just you're finding out all the different parts of them, but within a, a wheel that makes sense. So what are some of the things that you have in terms of like compatibility and um, using astrology to help influence or 
to reflect the relationships. Have you found anything for yourself? Yeah. Has astrology like improved your relationships? It's interesting because, you know, before I started working in this section, I've never really looked at any of my partner's signs. Like, I knew them because, you know, you do the cute thing where you check their horoscope and be like, oh, you're going to have a great day or yeah. something like Kiss that. Me. Kiss me. <laughs> We're going to have a great romantic day. Um, but, you know, like, until now, I never really looked at them. And even now, like, if you're going on a date and you find out their, you know, the the meme is that you have to get their birth their birth time right away because you want to know everything. Um, at the same time, like yeah, I'll, I'll take your your sun sign into account and maybe I'll take your your whole entire chart into account. But I'm, you know, that do, it doesn't say everything about you. It might unfold that way, but I'm not someone to judge you based on your sign. You know what I mean? Like it really depends on how our signs connect, how our charts connect. Um, and I, I never would judge somebody right away and be like, Oh, I'm not going to date you. Yeah. I mean, that's the way to go. I've, I get alarmed when people will write people off because of astrology or because of a chart configuration. Um, I, you know, I feel like too, another question I get asked a lot is, um, are you not going to date someone if they don't believe in astrology? I'm like, no, if they don't believe in astrology, that's their own personal belief. I'm not going to, you know, of course, I'll, you know, talk to them about it if they want to know more about it. But I'm not going to immediately write them off if they're like astrology. You know, I don't really like read into it or whatever. I kind of know my sign. That's it. If they're aggressive about it and they're like, you know, you know, whatever about it, they're like, oh, astrology's bullshit stop believing right them. if they're like mansplaining you yeah that's different like of course but you're gonna you're gonna have a partner who like well at least listen to what you're saying um but i think that there's no reason to not believe in it like you know it, it's something that people study and respect but so i think that at this point i would not be able to be with someone who couldn't really? speak astrology really with me. yeah i think it's just too much a part of my well, life it's a part of it's a big part of your life yeah i mean big it's it's like life. everything it's Absolutely. how i it's how i see the world it's my business it's um my lens for mm. self-care and Absolutely. empathy so it's definitely not all I talk about. Right. You know, like astrology is one part of just like how we have all of the signs in us. Astrology is yes. one part of my life. There's absolutely. other things like my dog. Like your dog. Absolutely. <laughs> Basically. That's, now. Yes. that's it. Yes. <laughs> but I don't think that I could be with someone in a healthy way who did not want to learn the language. That, that I mean, that's totally fair. It's a huge part of your life. Um yeah, it, I mean, it's interesting because it, it is something, it's a discussion point. But I think that having, you know, now having a small community of editors that I work with who are invested in astrology, like there are things you can't unsee once you start seeing things through astrology. Like there are things now where I look at and I'm like, you know, I get a little eye twitch if I see, you know, a certain thing. But um, but I think it's there's a, a fun part of it too. Besides like, you know, the eighth house stellium, there's like like how you and I were both looking at, you know, Benny Drama, his amazing, you know, so funny. what it's like to date a sign's. Uh, Instagram memes like there is such like a conversation and such like a cute little community where you can you can laugh about that kind of stuff or we get like in our astrology editors chat where we actually like the editors who actually work on the section we'll just like drop stuff in there now and we'll like have a good laugh about it because now we all kind of can speak that language and I think that's really cool yeah exactly I mean I think that one of the reasons that astrology also might be well actually before I answer this I Mm. would love to ask you from your professional perspective Mm. why do you think astrology is having such a moment right now I think it goes back to the reason why Jess wanted to have it in the magazine because it's just such a way to explain 
your behaviors, your traits, who you are, why you like what you like, why people who like you like you for a certain reason. Um, our readers, and I say this in the most endearing way, especially on Snapchat, are so selfish. Um, they want to know everything about themselves. They want to know why they, you know, why their world is the way it is. And I think that astrology caters to that mindset. And since that mindset is such a prevalent part of the consumer database right now that just it just fits and do you is that both gen z and millennial i think so yeah i think millennials are still like i mean just speaking on behalf of a millennial i you know i definitely care about a lot i'll read something that tells me about myself that's why buzzfeed was so popular because it tells you you know they had all those quizzes that were so what's going on with buzzfeed i don't know i don't know i wish i knew more but back in the heyday like you know five eight years ago they were you know they were the first ones to put quizzes out they were the first ones to you know tell you why your behavior was a certain way based on the crayon you liked and yeah or like which like Disney mouse character you were exactly and like who knew I even cared who knew your your Panera (laughs) order so it's like you know like when that kind of kind of fell to the wayside and people started copying that exact thing and it's like well this is kind of all bullshit this is actually bullshit there's no study behind it you kind of need a reason why that Mm. it happens Um, so astrology I think answers it in a concrete way that can actually be traced you know back hundreds five hundreds thousands of years Um, whereas you know looking at putting an internet quiz together is completely different and has no basis, but this kind of gives you structure. Right. So I guess like maybe the, a final but very important question is, mm. do you think that astrology is real? I think so. Yeah. I mean, people wouldn't be studying it for no reason. Um, I think that there's so much legitimacy to it that I see now that I didn't see before that I can't help be like, but be like, I mean, I can't be like, yeah, it's fake. Um, and I think that we're learning so much from it as a culture um, that it can it, it can't not be real. Yeah. So suck it, AP teacher. Suck it, AP teacher. I won't call you out because you're actually a nice human being. But yeah. And was, if you actually want to come on the yeah. podcast and have a conversation about what that absolutely assignment was about, that was just talk. kind of a dick move. But <laughs> <laughs> we all we all do that. Yeah. I actually remember. I think that I had a similar experience. I yeah. well. Um, there's this movie that a friend of mine is in called Trial by Fire. And okay. it at a, a very important part of the film. And I guess this might be a slight spoiler. Okay. Um, they're talking to like an arson expert about mm. the patterns. And the scene starts off with him being like, what's your sign? And as I was watching, I was like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> who is this guy? He knows it. And then it ends with him being like, the zodiac doesn't have any scientific proof but fire does and it was oh like boo God, like dumb. what baby boomer did that that's like that's dumb. not cool that's n- that's not cute no that's a dick move that's a big dick move it was a real letdown yeah two stars no <laughs> i went on i went on rotten tomatoes and reviewed it right afterwards <laughs> yeah rotten tomatoes like one star <laughs> i created my account <laughs> astrology rules 007 <laughs> you'll never know it's me no. <laughs> well oh mia God. thank you so much for being here for your time where can we find you um if we want to connect with you and f- see your scorpio memes come to life Personally, you can follow me on Instagram at Mia Lardier, which is hard to spell. So it's M-I-A-L-A-R-D-I-E-R-E on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also find me on Cosmopolitan doing random things. Hell yes, we can. Yay. Find her on Snapchat. On Snapchat, too. Yay. Teach me how to use Snapchat. I will. Okay. <laughs> bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.